Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanovsky with you here, learning Tractate Sukkah, page Kaftet. This page will bring us to the end of chapter 2. Chapter 3 begins actually on the, on, on the bet side of today's page, but I'll pick that up tomorrow. And I will begin today from the bottom of Kafchet Amud Bet, a little bit earlier before our page, with the Mishnah, which will bring us to the conclusion of the chapter. It says, Kol shivat hayamim adam sukato keva, or keva, to be a little more precise, uveto arai, all the seven days of the holiday, a person should make the sukkah, the primary dwelling, the fixed dwelling, and the home, your regular home, something that you just visit occasionally. Yardu uh, but if it starts to rain, and Sukkot happens at the beginning of the rainy season in the land of Israel, if it starts to rain on you in your Sukkot, when are you permitted to evacuate the Sukkot to head for more stable dwellings? When the, uh, when the stew gets spoiled because of the rain. So in other words, a little bit of sprinkling shouldn't drive you out of the Sukkot, but if the food that you're eating is going to get, get wet and disgusting, then you can go ahead and leave. And the rabbis tell a little parable about that. Mashlu uh, mashal, they told a parable. What is this like? Like a servant who comes to fix the master's uh, cup or drink. And the master takes the cup and pours it on the head of the servant. In other words, to indicate to the servant, I don't want you or your or your cup. That's like uh, God making it rain on you in the sukkah. God's telling you, I'm not interested in your service right now. Please go back inside. Our page here on Kafcher uh, Amud Bet articulates in, in what's called a Midrash Halacha, that is to say, quoting a Bible verse and expounding its legal meaning. Uh, our page will explain the, the reason behind this idea that your sukkah should be your principal dwelling. It says, Teshvu, Basukot Teshvu, Shivat Ayamim. You should dwell in the booths. Teshvu Ke'en Taduru. You should dwell in the booths as you live in your house. And so, if you have nice stuff, you should bring all your nice stuff into your sukkah. You should really move into the sukkah in a full, in a full way. Interestingly enough, by the way, you'll note that the verb for bringing something into the sukkah is always laha'alot, to raise it up. So it says, Hayulo kelim na'im ma'alan la sukkah. If you have nice, nice items, r- carry them up to the sukkah. Mitzaot na'ot. You have nice sheets and bedding. Ma'alan la sukkah. Raise them up to the sukkah. I think probably the reality was that the sukkot were on the roofs of the houses. So they, they brought them up to the sukkah. We have an interesting little discussion about, uh, since you're supposed to live in the sukkah and make it your primary residence, should you study in, in the sukkah as well? And what our page will tell us, both at the bottom of Kafchet Amud Bet and the top of Kaft uh, Tet Amud Aleph, is that sukkah is a good place 
for reviewing material you already know. It's a good place for reciting Bible verses or reciting Mishnayot, but it's a bad place for serious intellectual study and analysis. You need more composure for that. And so to do that kind of work, you shouldn't do it in the sukkah. You should do it in a more stable, more quiet place. In the course of this, there's an interesting discussion between Rav Yosef, an important Babylonian Amora of the end of the third, beginning of the fourth century, and his student Abaye, that relates to the interesting question of the absoluteness of law or law's sensitivity to individual differences. In one sense, every law, as Maimonides says in the Guide for the Perplexed, law is exoteric. It's not for you as an individual, it's for us as a society. And that means, as, as legal thinkers have recognized for many, many centuries, that applying one standard across the board will sometimes produce unfair results for individuals. Uh, or should law be kind of res responsive to individuals and take into the consideration the differences of temperament and particular experience. So in the course of this, Rav Yosef is portrayed as sitting in the sukkah when the wind starts to blow and the leaves or perhaps the needles or pieces of bark or whatever fall off the schach, the top of the sukkah, and fall onto him into his food. Uh, anybody who's ever sat in a sukkah, especially in North America where we often use pine needles, uh, pine, pine uh, products to, to use for stock knows that experience of you're sitting there and the, there's little bits of junk falling on you. It's kind of unpleasant. Rav Yosef says at that point, okay, we're going back in the house. And Abaye says to him, you know, please, Master, explain this to me. We know the Mishnah, which I just read to you, that it's It's when the food gets ruined, which is a higher standard, evidently, than the wood chips falling on you. Rav Yosef, aren't you going to tough it out? And Rav Yosef says, Kevan de anina da'atai kemisha tisra li. Rav Yosef says, well, I have a very uh, kind of tender temperament. I have a very fragile temperament. And in my experience, these wood chips falling on me is comparable to the rain falling down so strongly that it ruins the stew. Well, what I think that this means is that Rav Yosef takes a position in, in the dichotomy that I raised before. Rav Yosef takes a position that the actual law in its application should be fairly responsive to the individual experiences of the people who are practicing it. Rav Yosef doesn't say here, well, as Abaye would say, I'm toughing it out, uh, and, and even though I find this more unpleasant than the average person, I just have to tough it out because the rule is the rule. Instead, Rav Yosef says actually something a little different is the rule for me actually turns out to be a little bit different than the rule for you. Our page will go on and talk about uh, a number of omens in the idea that, that God making it rain is like saying the a master asking the servant, get out of here, I don't, I don't want your service anymore. So the uh, Mara will go on and talk about some omens, like if the sun has an eclipse or if the moon has an eclipse. What do, those, what do those things signify? Some of them are, are highly mythological, but down near the bottom of the page, we begin to turn to more ethical explanations for bad natural phenomena and then bad social phenomena. Solar eclipses are said to happen, among other reasons, for societies that don't protect young girls from rape, in what will be an unpopular comment in most of modern listeners. Unpopular to me, but I report it. So the solar eclipse also happens because of homosexuality. Um, the lights in the sky, presumably the moon and the stars, are eclipsed because people, now we turn to a more ethical standard, because people write uh, 
fraudulent contracts, because people testify falsely, because they keep goats. In Talmudic times, keeping goats in the land of Israel was considered like a public nuisance because they ate through everything and because they wantonly cut down uh, trees for no purpose. They violate the mitzvah of Baal Tashrit. Down at the very bottom of our page, you have the Mara asks the question, why does the government seize people's property? It's because uh, it's because they don't pay their just debts because they lend in usurious interest instead of lending free as the Torah commands, because they see evil and don't protest, and because they promise to give tzedakah and then don't give it. I'll just read that to you in Hebrew, the last lines of the Aleph side of the page. Uh, uh, the the property of householders is given to the government because they, they keep the fraudulent contracts to uh, uh, extract the money twice because they uh, lend with interest they might have been able to stop evil and they don't they make a big tzedakah promise in public but they never give it across. Uh, and similarly, our next, our next, says, our next item says that for four things, the uh, property of householders withers away because they don't pay their just debts to the, their workers, because they exploit their workers, because they uh, shift responsibility for public matters from themselves to others, and because they are arrogant. The gasud ruach, arrogance, keneged kulam, is the worst of all. All right, with that, we can conclude Chapter 2, and tomorrow we'll begin Chapter 3. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.